This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and wellbeing of our LGBTIQ plus communities. This is Well, 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 brought to you by the team from Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. The Normal Heart documents Larry Kramer's activism on the front line of the AIDS crisis in 1980s New York. Uh, this Tony Award winning masterpiece will enchant a new generation with a star uh, ensemble cast led by State Theatre Company South Australia artistic director Mitchell uh, Patel, I feel like, is the way I'm pronouncing that. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> in the pivotal role of Ned, and uh, he's joining us now from Adelaide. Uh, Mitchell, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Jack. Real pleasure to be here with you. Um, so, I, I guess before we get into um, the normal heart specifically, you're uh, the artistic director at the State Theatre Company South Australia. Um, what does that usually entail? What does your role look like um, outside of this uh, performance specifically? Yeah, so I've, I've been here since uh, 2019 now and program the last few years, which has been a, a lot of fun and a great privilege. Uh, so my, my role is um, uh, I where our company turns 50 this year and the artistic director gets to choose uh, what shows uh, go on in the program. We do about eight shows a year in Adelaide and some of them tour nationally as well. But uh, programming a big queer work and a big iconic queer work like this was was really important to me when I started the job. There's been a lot of kind of queer characters in, in many of the shows that we've done over the past few years, but to do a show that has a kind of critical mass of uh, queer uh, characters and queer performers too was a really uh, important thing for me. So uh, I'm really glad this, uh, we're doing this incredibly iconic play by, by Larry Kramer. Is it common for you to, uh, to be both artistic director and then star as one of the lead characters in the performances as, as well, or is there something of an outlier in that way? Yeah, it's funny. This company was run by uh, actually my very first acting teacher, Rosalba Clemente, in the 90s, who um, was artistic director and acted sometimes. And I guess it's happened at STC when Robin Nevin was there and, of course, when Kate Blanchett was there as well. Uh, she often programmed shows and put herself in them, but, you know, she's Kate Blanchett, so she can do whatever she wants, I guess. Um, but, yeah, so but, but generally I think most uh, theatre companies in the country are run by directors more than – I'm a more of a slash, slash director. So, but, it, you know, if you're, not, if you, if you're going to be an artistic director and not program one of your favourite plays and put yourself in the lead role, I mean, you're crazy. So, you know, I thought I'll give that a, give that a whack. <laughs> I guess let, let's kind of jump into the, the normal heart itself now, um, which, I mean, some people might know uh, from, I believe there was an HBO series, but obviously this, this play has existed um, sort of by itself, uh, you know, without that really. I guess what's the history mm. of the play? How did it come about? Yeah, so, so Larry Kramer um, wrote the play, and it's very autobiographical. Even though the lead character is called Ned Weeks, it's very much based on his um, his involvement with the beginnings of the gay men's health crisis and with ACT UP later when uh, when it all went a bit south for him as part of the GMHC. But, yeah, it, it, he wrote it in uh, 1985, so he was still very, you know, it was very much in the thick of the, the crisis. The crisis, of course, hit New York with um, when it was first mentioned in the New York Times in 1981, uh, you know, rare cancer scene in 41 homosexuals was the, the name of the article. And then for many years in America, you know, Ronald Reagan didn't mention the word AIDS till 1985. So this play is very much a 
is very urgent and was written in a, in a time when still there were so many things not known and, and there were no answers and and there was a real lack of government will and kind of media will and um, and support from the straight community. And so we thought it was interesting to kind of program it now in the context of COVID where, you know, obviously the world response was very quick because, uh, you know, maybe because it, it's a, a, a disease that affects every, everyone, but the kind of homophobia around the lack of response in America early was certainly, you know, awful, but very kind of interesting now to look back on it. And um, so, yeah, so it, it follows basically Larry's journey through that. And, of course, he was already a, a famous kind of um, uh, queer icon for writing that uh, novel, Faggots, which uh, is, you know, celebrated by some, but kind of criticised by, by others because in it he... Uh, you know, questioned um, the level of promiscuity of um, a lot of gay men pre pre AIDS. So he's a really, really interesting figure. So a lot of these issues all come up in the play, and uh, it's 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 a really great thing to be a part of. Before Larry Kramer was really infamous within the the context of the AIDS epidemic and, and activism in that space, who was Larry Kramer? He's a really interesting cat because he he was a writer, so he wrote. He started off in film production and then he wrote the screenplay for Women in Love, which has one of the homoerotic scenes between Alan Bates and um, Oliver Reed you've ever seen. And he was nominated, I think he won an Academy Award for that. Then he wrote a few other films. Then he wrote Faggots, the novel, and um, and then he wrote a lot of kind of columns as well. But the novel heart was, the, I think, the first play that he wrote. He went on to write other plays, one called The Destiny of Me, which is a kind of prequel, to prequel sequel to The Normal Heart. So he did a lot of things, but certainly when I hit, you know, um, he was kind of, you know, he was reasonably well off from his film uh, film life. So he actually had was privileged enough to have the money and time to kind of devote himself pretty fully to to the um, to the to the crisis and beginning of the um, the GMHC and then later ACT UP. And his advocacy obviously became the thing that he was known for most through his career and and quite a divisive character. Like he was very. I mean, I think he did so much for, for um, uh, you know, for, for getting government on board eventually and and, and uniting the community in some ways. But because he, he was so full on and quite an um, angry character too, a lot of a lot of gay guys didn't didn't kind of warm to him initially either. So, so the play's about the crisis, but it's also about how do you how do you become a political figure without making some enemies along the way, even within your own community, which is. Uh, it's it's a really interesting thing to look at. What sort of themes do I, I guess are untangled or explored in that process throughout the play, um, which I imagine at this point you're intimately familiar with as as the lead character, mm. right? What what are some of the themes that um, audiences kind of get a better sense of through the normal heart? Yeah, there's, there's a lot. I mean, certainly it's about the crisis and learning about what it was called. You know, initially it was called a gay cancer, then it was called grid, and then it was called other other things. So it's a lot about the history of that, but it's also about visibility and coming out of the closet as well. There is various characters. My main kind of nemesis in the show is my best friend called Bruce Niles, who's based on a real life character who was in the closet yet he was part of uh, the GMHC, and Kramer's. Um, uh, thought was, you know, we can't actually uh, really demand pride for ourselves until we come out of the closet and be, become visible. And there's a great, great speech in in the show that I get to do where Ned 
talks about, you know, why do we have to define ourselves just through sex? Like, there are so many great gay men through history who are defined by their other achievements too, like from Plato and Aristotle to Tchaikovsky and Alexander the Great, Christopher Marlowe, Walt Whitman, uh, John Maynard Keynes, James Baldwin. It's this great speech about, you know, our uh, our kind of creative contributions to the earth are just as important as, you know, defining ourselves sexually. They're, they're both both important, but that thing about visibility and accepting who you are in a really fulsome way uh, and is, is really important to him. And I think, you know, and we all, as, as gay people, we all have our own coming out stories and it's, it's, you know, more difficult for some, but I do think the kind of... Uh, his advocacy for visibility and for pride is very dominant in the play, and that's a really good thing to celebrate. What impact do you think that, I guess, activism uh, has on audiences, both queer and otherwise, that that come to the normal heart and maybe don't have as much of an understanding of what it was like at, at that point? And I, I guess I'll get into, like, how younger queer people, because that's that's like a conversation by itself, yeah. trying to navigate that space. But what do you think that activism, that impact would be on audiences? Yeah, hopefully a thrilling and kind of exciting one because uh, it's uh, both political, but it's also because you see friends and lovers kind of uh, in crisis at war, healing through the plates. It's a really um, good story as well. Like, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe he just said that <laughs> to the other guy. And, but I think in terms of activism, straight straight or non-straight, I think it's a really great exploration, the play of when you have a point of view that's counter to um, what's happening in you know the dominant paradigm, how do you navigate that? How do you propagate you know your way of your beliefs and you, and your kind of uh, your way forward when when structures are kind of uh, seem to be against you? And you know like whether you're uh, a climate activist or a, a gay rights activist or you're advocating for other things, I think this is a really good play to kind of demonstrate the the courage that is needed to be to be an activist. Um, and certainly for young queer people, well, there's a lot of young young queer people in the cast, which is great. And they've talked about, uh, you know, we stand on the shoulders of, of past um, LGBTQI, uh, you know, ambassadors who've, who've done this work before us and the kind of legacy of that. Uh, but, you know, what is also wonderful is you see a lot of young, the younger, I'm 52, but a lot of the younger queer uh, actors in the show, you go, they've had, some of them have had less uh, struggle coming out and becoming visible and accepting who they are. And that's a wonderful thing. And you think if that's the result of previous generations of, of queer people fighting for us, how wonderful. And that's a good, that's a thing to celebrate. I think the most, let's, let's run with young gay men. Like the AIDS epidemic in, in some sense, I don't think, or in any capacity, isn't necessarily lost on them. But I think the understanding and the appreciation of the effect that it had on our communities at that point in time, maybe uh, younger gay men might not necessarily fully appreciate the impact that it had. Do you think that this play does go some way to get that point across of how, I guess, pivotal that, that point in time was for our communities? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that there was a lot of stigma around 
around uh, a being you know a gay rights or AIDS activist. There was a lot of stigma around having HIV, um, and if, particularly if you had you know um, Kaposi sarcomas on you, and that people were fired, people were you know it's a scene that great um, um, English series points to this as well. People were often left in their own beds, in their you know in their own shit and stuff. They were abandoned by people in a lot of hospitals. They couldn't get beds. It was a terrible, terrible time for for many people, and so uh, I think those struggles. It's it's great to kind of recognise them. But what's what's great now? I think, and I certainly think, you know, Larry Kramer, Larry Kramer passed away in twenty twenty. But I think he would be so happy about the way in which so many gay men now are much more conscious of their sexual health. Um, you know, prep is a wonderful thing, uh, but but the fact that everybody, you know, is still very sex positive and is, uh, you know, sexually kind of, uh, their, their sexual lives are rich, but they most, I think most uh, queer people, particularly young queer people now are very conscious of sexual health and, and uh, you know, having fun, but also being safe. And I think that's a really wonderful thing. And I think really that's what Larry Kramer was banging on about. And certainly that's, in this play or the, the beginnings of that that kind of advocacy. I, I guess briefly as well, because the play isn't just, like this is certainly not the first running of the play um, in, in Adelaide. Mm. It, it's been um, run elsewhere for, for many years. Um, I, I guess, what were you and potentially some of the other cast members or, or creative, you know, the, the creative team on the project, what were you keen to bring to the play that, maybe brought a little bit more of, I don't know, a, a local vibe necessarily or um, yeah. specific lived experience? W- were you particularly keen to have uh, a sort of spin on the normal heart as the play sat by itself, I guess? Yeah. Well, well interestingly, it's only been performed once professionally before in Australia, which was at the Sydney Theatre Company in 1989, and then it was an amateur version in Melbourne, I think, the year after. But it hasn't been done since in Australia, and it's a 40-year-old play, and it's you think, wow, it is this great classic, you know, well-made American play, but yet you see, you know, The Crucible or from The Bridge every couple of years, but a play like this hasn't been done for like, you know, 35 years in Australia. And that's, you go, why is that? And I do think for us, uh, you know, and, and, and a lot of a lot of theatre in Australia. There's a lot of you know. I did Angels in America at Belvoir a few years ago, which was a great experience. And they have and holding the man and beat. They're having great kind of uh, queer theatre productions that have popped up. But but I, do, I predominantly you know most most theatre revolves around the straight experience. So it was a important for us to program this. But b uh, what's happened. We didn't necessarily design this, but the way it's turned out is all the queer characters in this production are being played by queer actors. And I, I certainly that's the first time that's happened with the show in Australia. It didn't happen in the movie. Mark Ruffalo played Ed Weeks, who's a straight actor. And it's, it's, I think it's fine for gay to play straight and straight to play gay. But I think at this point in history, it's a really wonderful thing that this production, which has, um, you know, uh, is a critical mass of, of gay characters does have gay gay men playing them, which is which is cool and uh, important, I think, on our on our stages for the pendulum to have swung swung that way. I, I imagine quite empowering in that way. Yeah, it's great, and it kind of feels like uh, we were saying in rehearsals the other day. Uh, 
I don't know if this is a Melbourne thing, but I know in Sydney when when people fag tag a, a pub on a Sunday afternoon and, and, you know, a whole group of gays just descends on a straight pub and go, this is what's happening. It feels like that's happened at the company. Like all these gay men are just kind of running right through the building, which, uh, and you go, great, we've, uh, <laughs> we're, we're taking it over for, for this period of time for this play. And it feels, and, and I must say, it's a very beautiful, beautiful company as well. And, and everybody, the straight and the non-straight people in the company uh, have really embraced that. But yeah, it feels great to be, doing a play that's important with, with this particular bunch of people and directed by Dean Bryant, who's an incredible uh, queer director who used to be the associate director of Melbourne Theatre Company and was on, um, worked on Priscilla for many years. And so he's, he's doing a wonderful job in bringing this really beautiful and uh, play to, together. And it's a, it's a love story too, the play about Ned and his partner, Felix Turner. So, so that's really, Dean's really been keen to bring that out as well. So the whole thing's just been a real, real joy, a joy, a joy FM to be a part of. Yeah. <laughs> we, we love that smooth segue. Uh, I, I guess to, to wrap up, um, Mitchell, when is the show running and, and um, well, where as well? And, and where can people go to find out more information? Yeah, it's a uh, first preview is tomorrow. In fact, uh, the 30th and oh, 29th of tomorrow. The 30th, yeah. And runs till October 15 here at the Dunstan Playhouse in Adelaide. It's only playing in Adelaide. Um, but if, if people did want to fly from interstate, DNA magazine actually have got a, a uh, if you pop onto their website, there's a discount code to, to, um, for accommodation and tickets here as well. So people from interstate didn't want to fly in. There's a, there's some discounts there to be had, but uh, yeah, only only in Adelaide. Uh, but uh, but come on in, come and fly down to fly down to Adelaide and have a good time. The normal heart running at the Dunstan Playhouse until October fifteenth. Uh, State Theatre Company, South Australia Artistic Director Mitchell Butel. Thank you so much for coming on and, and speaking about the play. Thanks, Jack. Real pleasure. Thanks for listening to Well, 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 supported by Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. For more LGBTIQ plus health and wellbeing and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website thornharbour.org. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.